0: welcome to Sydney Chill I am so excited about you joining us today we are back yes it has been a bit of a while since you last heard from us but we are well and truly back with an absolute amazing guest we've got none other than film riot master himself Ryan Connolly
1: you know I don't know what I expected <laughs> honestly I don't I don't think I really thought about it in those terms uh, I don't think I, you know it wasn't until a little later on in my career that I started thinking like uh in terms of where things might go or, you know, five-year plan. I think for a long time it was, you know, put one foot in front of the other. I mean, I've I've always had reasoning and I've always been pretty calculated, but I don't know that I had like a, it's definitely going to go this way. You know, you have those like, I hope it turns into this and wouldn't it be great if, you know, this happened? And hey, maybe if we do this, this can happen. But I mean, um, I think just starting Film Riot was a little more of a, a lot of like actually just wanting to help people, but not so much as like, hey, let me teach you exactly how to do this because I'm a film professor, because I absolutely wasn't. We, You know, we've always been very honest about that. Even in the beginning, it was like, do you want to make a movie? Well, so do I. Let's figure it out. Like the idea was like, hey, let's figure this out together. <clears throat> so, I mean, I, I was, you know, when we started, it was more like, wouldn't it be cool to put something out that just showed somebody else that you could watch somebody else struggling their way through trying to create a career, but also just having a lot of fun with it and being as inventive as they could. And hopefully that would just inspire people to do the same.
0: Can you remember like a specific scene or a specific film when you were really young and you saw it and had such a big impact on you and you were like, this is what I want to do. It was just like the light turned on or can you remember a specific moment?
1: I don't know if it's a film that was like a light turn on moment. Cause I think it started with storytelling and, and, and not even so much storytelling in like the traditional sense of what you think when someone says storytelling, but more of what I'm always talking about as much as an experience. So giving an experience to an audience. And I started doing that at a young age. Um, I remember even getting like for Christmas, I got like this trunk of, uh, of costumes and stuff. And I would put on little plays and it's just this idea of, I have an idea in my head, a concept in my head that I can see now. I want to translate it to you, and then having them watch you provide this experience to them. I think that clicked really early on when I was young, and then my parents brought home a video camera, and uh, I talk about it all the time because I do remember it pretty vividly. And when I looked through and saw through the lens, it was like, oh man, I can actually get them to see what I want them to see, not just hope that they're seeing what's in my head. Um, That was a that was a light on moment for me. But then, as far as like films. I think it was just, again, it was, it, it was scenes or moments that gave me an experience that I hadn't had before. Like, uh, um, the la Indiana Jones, the last crusade, uh, <laughs> my parents were pretty strict and I wasn't allowed to watch certain things, but we were, again, oddly enough, at a Christmas party of uh, family members, and they had that playing, and I wasn't supposed to be watching it, but I was, and I saw the end where he, he drinks from the wrong cup and, and he melts or whatever, <laughs> and I would never seen anything like that, and that, like, extreme reaction it got out of me stuck with me, that this thing that I know is fake, that I know these people are actors and it's a made-up character, but I feel so strongly about what I just saw, or, you know, uh, everybody knows my affinity for Jurassic Park, and that is probably more than anything, just the the biggest turning point for me was just being in that theater and feeling safe to feel unsafe. Like, I felt in danger while knowing I wasn't. And I, and I felt, um, you know, extreme concern for the characters that I was seeing on screen. And again, my parents were pretty strict, so I, I wasn't really allowed to watch stuff like that. So when I saw that, it was was totally different. I mean, and to, to be given that experience um, to just be in danger safely was so incredible to me. And especially the T-Rex paddock scene, just that whole, I remember holding my breath just through that whole scene, just, oh my God, what's going to happen to these kids and, and wanting to help them and not being able to. And and that just really blew my mind that that was a thing that this filmmaker was able to do. And then I became obsessed with who is this Spielberg guy, because he's a <laughs> god, clearly and uh and that that was really like the kickoff to me fully understanding oh filmmaking and directing that's what i wanted the spielberg guy what he just gave to me i want to do that for people uh i think it's kind of how it how it happened
0: so your first uh experience with spielberg was was jurassic park was that the first film you saw of his
1: no, I had seen, um, <clears throat> I'd seen others for sure. Uh, I think I saw Hook before that. And um, yeah, I definitely saw Hook before that and uh, E.T., stuff like that. Um, but Jurassic Park was the one that just blew me away. It was nothing like I had ever seen. I mean, these these were real dinosaurs. I'm looking at real dinosaurs, <laughs> how are we doing that? Uh, and that's what made me care to know who he was for the first time.
0: I remember one of the first films I saw was, was was E.T. And when I saw that, I knew and I was probably three years old when that came out and I knew what I wanted to do. OK, when I was three, I didn't know I wanted to be like a director or a filmmaker. You know, I wanted to be right. the kids on the we bike riding an around. <laughs> Can you remember when you realized filmmaking is what you want to do? Can you remember um, it was like, actually, this is what I want to do for a career? I, I think it was
1: about eight years old. Oh, um, really? I knew I- Yeah, it was like once I got the video camera, I was like, oh, I want to tell stories this way. And it's like, you know, I mean, the Rocketeer was a huge movie for me when I was younger. So it was even, you know, and Indiana Jones, obviously, because I wasn't allowed to watch it. And then I snuck and saw it. And then it was like, whatever, he saw it anyway. And then I was allowed to watch it. I was like, this is the best thing ever. Um, And then, you know, you would get like HBO for free every now and again. Remember that? And then with the parents would go on date night
0: oh no 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 we in the uk back then we had four channels uh, uh so it was like what's on tv it would take five seconds to find out as opposed to now when it's like <laughs> just.
1: You could spend... oh yeah now it's like forget there's so many channels that you just give up you're like never mind I i'm just gonna read something so <laughs>
0: how's your creative process evolved over the years would you say as far
1: as just coming up with something or well, uh,
0: what i mean from i've seen the evolution of, of film right and i suppose for you it's it's slightly different it's like because you've grown up with it and it's and it's yours you mightn't notice that evolution as much but if you know the for, for me it's each and i'm not just saying this ryan but each like month or each time you raise the level. You really raise the bar. In um, that, that reflects in the you know in the short films that you make. It's, you know, Ghost House that looked like it was a Hollywood production. It looked amazing, um, and it was you know it was so. It was so good, and I'm not saying the earlier stuff you did wasn't good because it was great. You know, I was really inspired by uh, uh, by Tell, um, especially what I saw the behind the scenes, and you showed how to black out a house, and I was like, it's no problem, I can shoot my horror film in the summer. We just need to black out the windows, and uh-huh. it was a, it was a nightmare. <laughs> Well, yes, yeah, so uh, the evolution of the uh, the short films that you've made seem- is, and the quality of them has gone up as the show has gone up. I mean, have you noticed? And uh, like, your process has changed through that. Like, stuff that you would have done, like stuff you do now, where you spend a lot more attention to the details that you mightn't have done so much in the earlier stuff.
1: I think it's just an evolution of understanding. Um, it's like you know, I, I, I've talked about it before on the show too. There's a difference between knowing something and understanding something. Like I know I need to expose collect correctly, but I didn't quite understand how to. You know what I mean? I you know you, I I know that I need to get the audience uh, to care about this character, and I know that if I do X, Y, and Z, they might. But I didn't fully understand why. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, I didn't fully understand why. Whereas I think, you know, just with experience and doing it over and over and over again and trying different things and really analyzing it, uh, uh, you start to understand. And I have miles and miles and miles to go still, but. Uh, I think now it's it's more at a place that it's far more um, calculated as far as I understand that I'm doing this specifically because I want the end result to be this and I want the audience to specifically feel this like when I did tell it was very theoretical you know in theory if I do this my audience will feel this and, and a lot of it was going off of gut instinct and if I you know I I want I want this moment to feel like this so in my head the camera is doing this so I I feel like the camera needs to move closer to the to the character well why I can't really explain why but I, I I have a feeling that it's gonna work now I'm telling you oh the camera needs to move closer to the character why because I'm forcing the audience to get closer to him in a moment they absolutely want to back away um, and, and so like there's there's things that now that I understand that I didn't then which definitely lead themselves to being able to focus more on details and and understand how to get closer to that polished end production that you really want, and not even just a film. People talk about film look and stuff like that, and I'm and I'm sort of starting to reject that that notion, um, or that that the, the phrasing, because really, what a film look is is just something that looks um, accomplished you accomplished the look that you wanted for that thing. Because there's some stuff that looks very lo-fi, but it was it, it's exactly how this thing should have looked. You know what I mean? Um, a, a good recent example is the show uh, 13 Reasons Why, which people have bashed how it looked based on the trailer. But when you watch it in context, it was like, this is how this should have looked. This was the right way for this. It feels very teenage drama but what happens kind of transcends that a bit um and and so it it, for me it was like that was the perfect look for this so even with uh ghost house it it wasn't so much about like you know obviously you want it to look like a film and you want people to think that it looks like a film and thank you for saying that that was awesome (laughs) that's exciting (laughs) that you thought it did look like a film um and but i think what that means to me when people say, you know, oh, it looked like a film is we accomplished the look that we were going for and we accomplished it in um, a very educated way. Like we knew what we were doing. We were out to do it and we we accomplished this look. Um, And that's why people think it looks like a film, because it's extremely well done. Because, I mean, if you look at... different films and you just take still frames and put them side by side each looks vastly different you know so it's like what is the film look it's the look of a piece of work that is beautiful and it's done by someone who knows exactly what they're trying to accomplish and they're trying to do. And they know the ins and outs and they understand, uh, it's something with nice dynamic range. Even if the camera doesn't have good dynamic range, they understood how to force that camera into, you know, the corner that they want it to be in. And with ghost house, it was a lot about feeling, uh, sort of nostalgic, horror film for me like those horror films that i snuck and watched as a young kid like either on tv or when you got hbo for that little time like i was talking about like freddie krueger and stuff like that so in my mind it's like it's grainy it's it's anamorphic it's it's older lenses that feel a little distorted it's a touch sloppy on purpose like if you watch some of the the dolly moves they're a little bit sloppy because if you go back and you watch these old films they're a little bit sloppy they're not these locked in perfect non-moving almost uh, artificial dolly moves that you have today there were these organic moves that you could feel the operators hands on them so it was like it was stuff like that that we were we were going for so i mean that's kind of how i approach it think
0: about it was it the opening scene of ghost house and spy what was the horror film uh conjuring was it
1: Oh, 100%. It wasn't even inspired. It was a full borderline ripoff. It was like my idea was, you know, um, take the most popular recent horror film and off the bat, like purposefully hang a lantern on a uh, po- very popular shot that i know people were going to recognize and to me that was a way of starting serious but you also being like oh i see what's happening
0: here um no, so i'm trying to... conjuring so uh, w- oh, really? I, no, yeah and i was watching the thing and well he's because i was used to you doing a lot of comedy and i'm like where's the laugh it's not coming yeah. i'm actually getting a bit scared <laughs> now what and then when it kicked <laughs> in, it was brilliant because it was just it like yeah, the, it was as if the rug got pulled from my feet. And uh, that was what, that was the hope.
1: Yeah, that that was what was a little concerning about Ghost House. But it was like I don't care. If I'm doing it anyway because it's I don't know. I just like I I mesh genres a lot. I think uh, especially with comedy, um, and my comedic sense has always been when I'm really doing anything like comedic that we're spending time on. There's always like a flare of serious to it. um and, and I kind of I just love meshing those two things, probably because I'm more often more interested in the horror aspect than I am in the comedy aspect. But my idea was just like if we could sort of poke fun at in a very loving way, almost love letter to horror films, because I love horror films, especially classic horror films. Uh, and then at the end, sort of do the thing that I'm always thinking, like, why don't you just like, why are you staying in the house, dude? Like, no, like day one, <laughs> I'm out. No boots. I had bees are coming out of my air conditioner. I'm out. <laughs> um, and so I was. I was hoping that that would be the effect. That in the end that that switch wouldn't be jarring and like what just happened that it would it would have that a good rug pull not a bad bad rug pull but i mean in all honesty i wasn't really sure it was a little nerve-wracking you know setting that video live to see how people are going to react to it because in my mind it's like this is either going to work it's going to land people are going to get it and love the the switcheroo at the end or it's going to be an annoying like what just happened and not at all what they wanted
0: i don't really delve into the whole youtube comments because i like you know i I like a nice life and there's so many brutal people out there with them. So it's that's like actually,
1: that's actually a good idea. I've come to like the place where I like to just mess with the people that are, are too harsh. More often than not, you're not dealing with a bad person. You're dealing with someone who has this odd disconnect that they for a second they they think that they're talking to this artificial thing, not realizing that they're talking to a human being on the other <laughs> at the other end. So more often than not when I call somebody out on being like aggressive or rude and like, hey, man, that's not really the way to interact. Uh, It's an apology or the comment gets deleted because that person realizes like, why did I do that? Or, you know, you had a bad day and then something just triggers you to take it out on this person who you think isn't going to read it or fire back. Uh, And then sometimes you just have the full on trolls. And those are the most fun to mess with where I just say nonsense to them uh, just because it's fun. (laughs) it's just like you can't let it bother you
0: the content that you're putting out as well I've seen a few people moan about you know oh you're using this camera and you're using that camera the gear has improved as the show has improved I don't think anybody wants to watch a show that's just static and just does the same thing all the time oh for sure talking about the film look I think that's one of the most asked questions anybody in this game gets how do you get the film look is there a filter?
1: Yeah. And I, and I mean, even, even the film look, cause I mean, I, I talk about the film look too, because it's like, you know what, you know what uh, people mean when they say that it, it's, it's sort of a classic look. Cause when you say film look, you're really saying, how do I get that look? That reminds me of the films that I grew up on. That gives me the feeling of the things that I've seen that were big blockbusters. Sure. Um, and you know, there's that route, but there's a lot of films that don't, look that way and that's all right like it's this idea of a complete rejection of like 48 frames per second or 60 frames per second which i'm a part of i hate how they look
0: yeah. but
1: you know we, we hate how they look because we're used to looking at 24 frames per second and 24 frames per second means film to us you know yeah. wide aspect ratio means film to us um uh, you know high dynamic range and so on um so it's 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 an interesting thing too just to think about the psychology of it like when you say film look when somebody how do I get my thing to look like a film you're really saying how do I get my film to feel like a film
0: yeah, no, like definitely, and even films today. And it's interesting what you said about, um, you know, the dolly movements—they weren't always perfect. And I, I like that. I like that. I like to be reminded that there's a human being behind something, like moving something. I, I like that, and I think that's why, um, you know, the movies that I sort of people don't warm to so much is when it's fully like a CGI robot hitting another robot because you know it's just i mean even though it's a lot of artistry and a lot of work goes into it it doesn't feel the same as when you think you know someone's actually had a solid physical model there's something different about it but i I
1: think it could though i think the example for, for me it's it's less that it's two cg robots punching each other and more that that's all the person making it cared about, that it was two CG robots. Because I mean, look at Pixar films. These are one hundred percent cartoons. Yeah. But man, I I I'm not ashamed to say it. I've cried at Pixar films. That and I, I feel attached to these cartoons. These are one hundred percent computer animated characters. And I am invested in this very brief story of this uh you know this this love that happened over time and this man that lost his wife you know in the case of the opening of up that that was one of the best pieces of storytelling that i've literally ever seen and it was a cartoon so i think it's less about you know that it's not real i mean even Jurassic park you have uh cg dinosaurs and whatnot and i think it's just giving the audience the correct experience letting them get invested it's you know it's like action how i look at um, action. I mean, we do a lot of stuff that it's literally just you pop in, people punch each other and we're done <laughs> because we should do shorter things. But, um, you know, action pieces that I develop and when I'm thinking about doing longer format things, be it comedy, action, horror, whatever. It's, you know, in the case of action, it's like, OK, two people are punching each other. So and you you don't care because it's like I have nothing to attach myself to. I'm not connected. I don't care about these these characters, their dilemma yeah whatever conflict they might be going through that stuff hasn't been set up well so when the action hits i'm like who cares you know like john wick is a great example of like they really get you to care that this guy he lost his wife then he lost a the dog they set the stakes up to where you like feeling for him and they didn't do much at all and then it just turns into a total bloodbath action fest but the action's really cool because i'm invested in this guy's journey now me personally anyway but then you have action where it's like man i should be really digging what i'm looking at here everything here is screaming awesome to me but i just i'm kind of bored yeah and it's just because i'm personally just not invested and same goes for horror i'm not afraid because i don't care about the characters like a lot of horror films jump right into jump jump scare jump scare jump scare gore jump scare jump scare where it's like, uh, the conjuring is a great example of, you know, hook, hook into the story. Sure. But then it's a slow burn and building of tension. We get to know the family, we get to know their situation. We start to like them. And then there's a little more, and then there's a little more, and then there's a little more. Uh, and it takes the time to build the platform to be able to give the audience that experience of the big scare. And that's, that's really why it works for me. So I feel like, although I've, well i mean guardians of the galaxy is a good example of you know heavily cg and very invested well i don't know about very invested but anyway the point is <laughs> uh my point is um uh, i don't have a wonderful example for it but i i really think that those movies could could work very very well if um they kind of focused more on on that sort of experience that the connection factor and, and you know i'm not uh, you know, bashing the Transformers films. They're not my personal cup of tea, but there's a lot of people who absolutely love them. Yeah, totally cool. <laughs> you know, it's all subjective. But for me personally, I think I don't get attached to those movies because there's no time taken to really get me to care or be invested in, in what's going on in front of me.
0: Yeah. I think also the
1: robots fighting looks like a uh, drum set being thrown downstairs so that doesn't help either
0: and also he's very good at making trailers like every Transformer film I've seen the trailer and thought you know I'm going to give Michael a second <laughs> chance yeah, and I'm going to go and see on this the same
1: way. on the same way I'm like well maybe this one
0: and then you're like no it's yeah. just robots hitting each other and uh, yeah. and, and cameras panning around people
1: um, but again just reiterate it's just not my personal cup of tea. Uh, I d- I don't like when people um, just bash on things that yeah. just like actually like. I just want to reiterate for anyone listening to this who likes Transformers. I just don't personally like it. It doesn't make you wrong if you dig it. You're
0: right. So what's the f- uh, the future hold for Ryan and, and Film Riot and Triune Films?
1: Uh, just working toward the same goal, man. Just trying to uh, get to features. Um, we're doing a few. They're not really short films. They're kind of like Film Riot sketches, but treated at a short film level, like we just did a Western, which is going to be really fun. And then we're doing uh, two more sci-fi-ish type things. But they're sort of, like I said, like really big sketches that we'll just post as breakouts. And then other than that, we're just going to focus a lot in on um, Film Riot and our store this year, trying to make more assets to help people out um and then you know in the background just constantly working on bigger things and pitching bigger things and uh boosting the network and and also just figuring out ways to get bigger and better information out to people like trying to do uh better interviews to get that sort of info out to people we just really want to turn film Night into like an online film school destination
0: i'm working with a guy at the moment called harry sheriff who's made he made 12 short films in 12 months. Oh, wow. He's getting some serious, like, heat on him at the moment. So he's making a web series that he's got funding for from uh, the UK Creative Council or something like that. But he's just gone out and and done his thing. And um, hopefully I'm going to be doing the edit for these these web series. And, you know, I see that as my way in because... Yeah. I do think it is all about the network that you have and and the people that you work with, and you know. Oh yeah, completely. You, um, yeah, but that,
1: that, that's kind of like a you know a path you have to take. I mean, I, I think it's good to start with your friends because if you off the bat try to get yourself actors who've worked with other people, they might run roughshod over you, or they might not want to work with you again because it's like oh, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. So it's always great to start with your friends and sort of. Uh, get a foothold of like, okay, that's the process. That's how I like to do things and uh, go from there. If you haven't like been able to be on other sets before, and if you're just starting from square one, that is a pretty good way to start. Uh, And then just, you know, letting those things fail and then watching them be like, okay, this didn't work. Why didn't it work? Um, Which I talk about all the time. Like I failed plenty <laughs> across the board, even in film, right. I felt publicly in my opinion on, uh, you know, a few things. And even all of our short films have, you know, pieces of failures in them. Even when I'm proud of them, I'm like, yeah, it's a good, I'm, I'm happy with how that short film came out. There's just so much about it that I, I hate. And I'm like, man, I screwed that up and I screwed that up. I should have done that different. Um, and those are all just things that lead to more understanding and, uh, taking everything up a level. Cause I mean, without, without failure there, there can't be, uh, any success, because you know, how do you even know what that looks like, or how do you even know how to get there?
0: Yeah, it's like when you, you learn from your mistakes. That's that's without a shadow of a doubt, because you know if you make a huge mistake on something you know the next time when you're filming something you know you'll remember to press record or or you know what i mean it's you won't ever forget you you won't ever make that same mistake like twice can you remember any huge problem you had during making a film like on set and and how you overcame it like any something oh, yeah. specifically you every, can tell us
1: every film ever um my problem is always <laughs> i'm i'm uh I'm, I'm usually biting off more than i can chew which is a good and a bad thing I'm never content with uh, you know what I'm able to accomplish I'm always trying to do more than I probably should because it's like if I've done something I don't want to do that again I want to go up a level I want to do something that's you know a big level up from that and usually instead of you know, grabbing the very next rung, I grab the one after that one, which I tell people not to do, but I still do it. Um, and I just I just can't help myself. I get excited about something. I'm like, you know, what? let's go for it. So I'll try to piece together a production that's like way bigger than I'm able to to uh, pull off. And then, you know, we're able to pull it off. But there's a lot of headaches and whatnot that that go along with that. Um, and then there's stuff to where it's like, you know, you did everything right, but just the crap. It's a fan, like UFO. Yeah um was was probably my biggest nightmare shoot but it wasn't really anything that we did per se we definitely needed a bigger crew i definitely tried to pull off what we were doing with a much smaller crew than we actually needed and we probably needed an extra day even uh because it ended up being something that wasn't entirely intended by me like the second half once the ship shows up was something that it was like plan c or d on the day like plan a felt I came up with plan B on the spot, started doing that, that fell through, came up with plan C that fell through. And I really thought I was like, man, I'm going to have like a trailer at the end. There's no way we're finishing this. And then we actually finished it. Um, but it was like plan C that I was adjusting on the fly as we were sitting there doing it. Um, but it's just because, you know, people got lost on the way of things. So we started late. We had, yeah. you know, some, some makeup issues because of the cold weather and it was freaking freezing. So <laughs> people were constantly wanting to go into the cabin and, uh, the, the, the lift that we got broke down, um, you know, the light wasn't working. It started to rain. Uh, it just, it was just one thing. I, I, at, at some point I just started laughing at every new thing. Um, so, you know, you have stuff like that and it's, for me, it's always just been about don't sit there and dwell on, okay, this is working panic time. It's, you know, be proactive. It's like, okay, this is, this isn't working. What can I do right now? Um, this is what this is it was planned to be a dolly shot okay the dolly's broken there's no tracks i can't have a dolly shot all right what was the draw, dolly shot meant to do in this moment what was i trying to convey to my audience what was the tone i was trying to set with that dolly shot okay how can i get that exact same tone with something entirely different can i go handheld mm, no that's going to add too much kinetic energy you know what let's just go and sticks i'm going to cover this in three instead of just one move on um so it's it's stuff like that <clears throat> that's that's always something that's popping up and just being open and able to just shift gears quickly. And that's why I'm always preaching on the show just know the why's not not just what yeah sure this guy punches this guy in your script but why does he like why does it have to be a punch why can't it be a kick why can't he get hit by a car why can't he fall off a ledge why can't uh it be a shove why can't he do it with words instead of an actual action does it have to be a punch can it be something else know what know what the why is behind and, of course, I'm using a very obvious and in-your-face thing, like a punch to the face. But if I, if I always know my whys, why am I doing each camera angle the way that I'm doing it? Why is this taking place in this location? Why does the character say this? When things inevitably go horribly, horribly wrong and I can no longer get the thing that I wanted to get, it's much easier for me to divorce myself of the original idea – and shift gears and go on something else that's going to accomplish the same. Cause again, it's all about giving my audience an experience. It's not about me getting to do the best dolly shot. No, I'm going to be so excited about my super cool dolly shot. Nobody's really going to care about that dolly shot. It's about my audience in the end. You know what I mean? That's, that's always been the type of filmmaker I am. There's people who are a little more personal about it. I, I'm always about like, I want to give the audience an experience. So keeping that in mind, always keeping those wise in mind, um, for me, it's less about what the problem is because they're just constant <laughs> they're from the small to the massive to even like, you know, it's past lunch. This is our last day of shooting, and we've only shot like a quarter of what we should have shot. And there's literally physically no way we're finishing what we had planned. So you need to go over there and cut. 20 shots, (laughs) you know, it's like, how am I supposed to tell this story by cutting 20 shots? That's a, that's a massive amount. So, you know, okay, well, I cut this character, you know, we don't need this character. I can accomplish that by giving what this character does to this character. And I cut them. It's a bummer because you're removing this initial intention and these certain things have to shift. But in the grand scope of things, I'm still giving my audience the same experience. I cut this entire scene here. We don't need that. And it's just moving along in, in that way
0: how do you find working with your family? Cause is it just you and Josh or have you got like other people who are involved in, in film, right? Uh, yeah, no,
1: I got, I have a really big family and I, I think like half my family works with me now. Um, my older brother, Tim is, uh, he kind of helps me run the business and he's a producer on all our stuff and he's, he's uh he handles the money for me. So I don't have to, cause I'm very, very creative. I'm not like the numbers guy. I'm like the creative vision guy. So yeah. being bogged down by numbers, is like a, big deal for me so he like alleviates that pressure but he's also just a kick-ass producer so he's always doing that for me and then my sister runs the store for me um emily actually works for me still i'm sort of mentoring her in in the direction she wants to go uh but she still works for the show and does stuff josh obviously um and then I have like two other family members that help out here and there with different stuff. Um, so, yeah, a lot of them, like half of them. And then, you know, we have Justin and Stark, who aren't family members, but kind of feel like family members. Oh, and I have a uh, Harris who uh, hosts uh, my other show, Variant, um, and he's actually my brother-in-law. So it's, it's very much a family business.
0: So basically, if anyone applies for a job, they have to be in your family. <laughs>
1: Yeah, if your name's not Conley, you have to have married a Conley.
0: Yeah, I can't wait <clears> till <throat> you do an actual feature-length film and the entire credits <laughs> will just, just Conley, be Connolly, 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 Connolly.
1: <laughs> yeah, that, that used to be the case. Uh, a lot of people uh, joked around about that. I think it was maybe with tell that it was like every name ended with Conley <laughs> almost uh but now it's not so much that case because most of them don't actually want to do like actual film production there's only a handful that actually want to be in the actual film production the rest of them are like this is so boring it moves so slow i hate it and i'm like are you <laughs> nuts? like my wife thinks film sets are so boring and i'm like are you out of your mind it kills me. So there's really only a handful of them that like to do that, and uh, I, I pretty much employed all the ones that want to work with me. So I think from here on out, it, it probably won't be the last name Connolly.
0: So did Josh want to? Did he want to be involved from the beginning, or was it just like, right? You're getting, you're going on camera. We're doing the sketch. I got no one else. You're yeah. doing it.
1: He thought it was really cool. He thought all the the film stuff was really. I mean, he was young. He was like, uh, man. Uh, 17
0: really I don't
1: know somewhere somewhere around that he was was super young um, when he started so all the film stuff that we did uh, I had done a bunch of short films before that and I was working for Alienware, so I was doing all this stuff and he he just thought it was really cool that I was involved there working toward doing filmmaking. So when I was like, hey, come be in the sketch, he was obviously super stoked about it. <laughs> and I was like, hey, you're, you're kind of funny. Like, I mean, obviously, very, very rough around the edges, but, you know, there's something there. Uh, and then he just really dug being in film, right, doing it. And I would, I would pay him like a couple hundred bucks a week or something like that. And he thought that was the coolest thing, too. So then eventually, I just had to, feeling i'm like man i bet you you could edit and he's like no, 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 no way he's insecure about it and then i just tricked him into editing something and i'm like look at that <laughs> and then slowly but surely he started uh taking over a lot of editing and he edits a lot of film. like film right mondays is pretty much entirely him and right. it's a lot of thursdays now and uh he's kind of the bts god like anything that we do that's like behind the scenes of our films mm-hmm. or other things like the DJI stuff. That's like completely him. He's really good at capturing those moments and kind of telling the story of, of what it was like to go shoot something or whatever.
0: And so he discovered he wanted to be a filmmaker from you being involved with, well, you start on film right then, Do you th- or was it something that you think he wanted to get involved with like, like like you from a, from an early age? Now he
1: was like all into baseball and stuff like he I think he thought he wanted to do like uh, professional baseball for a second there. And then I, I don't think he really was really thinking about it anymore. I think he was just like a kid being a kid playing video games. But then once we started doing Film Riot, it was just, you know, he got the he got bit by the filmmaking bug. And that was pretty much that.
0: The commercials that you make, and I'm sure this is why your advertisers must love you, is because they're so funny. Have they got any control over what you do on the show? Or
1: I've always been uh, really cautious about that. I mean, you know, there's stuff where it's like you have good relationships with them and you're not going to do something that's like, you know, way out of bounds. I yeah. mean, I remember one time it was, uh, I guess I shouldn't say the company, but there was a company that we worked with. And the ad that I made for them was get a this or... Um, this will happen to you. And then <laughs> of one of them, because I was young and stupid, one of them was the the neighborhood dog will rape your cat. And they were like, you know what? I don't think we're going to go with this ad. And I was like, yeah, you know what? Fair enough. <laughs> you know? right. maybe, maybe you don't say rape in an ad. Maybe that's kind of like a horrible, yeah, horrible don't, idea.
0: don't drop yeah. the R word in, in anything, yeah. really.
1: So I know, totally. And I was just this young, stupid kid. But the second they rejected it, I was like, you know what? that was really inappropriate. Like, what were we thinking? Yeah. And so, you know, there's stuff like that. And then there's, we work at domain.com a lot and they're super cool. they they just don't care what we do. They're just like, yeah, man, awesome. And so we can be pretty irreverent and you know, bloody if we want. And, but then if we do something with another company, they're going to be like, Hey, we know you. So no blood, no cursing, no, you know, no guns. So it's like, it's, it's stuff like that. They don't dictate what the idea is. We, we, do whatever we want. That's always been like my thing. Like no one's gonna. That's not how we do that. Um, but uh, you know, you, you know, you also got to be cautious that they're helping you keep the lights on. You know, they're helping sure. you keep oh, going. Yeah. Uh, you want them to be happy with what they're doing too. And and we only work with companies. If you notice, it's a very like few and far between companies that are on our show. And I've rejected many many companies. Um, just because, you know, I, if it's not something that I would personally use, like FreshBooks, I, I have used, I don't use now because, uh, we have more of a large scale company sort of way of doing things. Um, but every now and again, I do use them if I do like a side thing, but I really love FreshBooks. I think it's freaking awesome, especially like for the young beginner filmmaker. Um, so, and I, I used it early on and I think it's great, which is why they're on the show and domain.com is the actual domain registrar that we use for every domain name that we purchase. So it's like stuff like that to where it's, if it's actually a product or, you know, company or whatever to service that um, I really love, then yeah, there'll be a sponsor on, on the show. But if it's not something I believe in, I don't put it on the show, Yeah, um, which is why there, there used to be some, Companies that used to advertise with our show, and they don't anymore because I stopped believing in the company. I was like, you know, let's cut that off. Um, So in that in that case, you know, it's also a company that I really like. So you know, I want to keep that partnership, you know, happy. So you know, it's, it's just a back and forth to make sure. They're yeah, happy. but we've been lucky enough. Like you know, it's not always the case. Sometimes it's it there. There's a lot more of a thumbprint placed. Um, and there has been times where that was attempted. I'm like, you know what? Let's not. Let's just move back because it's just not worth it with how we do our show and stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, and I, I I wish we had more time to to do the more fun ads because when we first started them, it wasn't like a telling spot. Like, hey, this is how we're going to do them. This. this is why you should um, do sponsorships with us. I mean, no one was really doing ads that way for the most part. Yeah. It was just for me, I was like, man, I have to do an ad to get paid. Oh man. <laughs> you yeah. know, I didn't really want to do an ad in the episode. So I was like, all right, if we're going to do an ad, we're going to do it our way and it's going to be fun. I didn't even ask anybody. I just did it. Oh, really? Um, yeah. And then, you know, cause I was, I was new to the whole thing, not realizing that, like, you know, you probably, show this to the sponsors and make sure they're okay with talking about killing puppies and whatnot, but I just did it. And uh, luckily they, they loved it. And then, um, you know, that, that actually helped, helped us get sponsors. And it was, it was pretty funny. Like rep three sort of switched some of the ways that they did sponsorships based on that because the sponsors really reacted, responded to this different, more, uh, personal touch, to an ad, instead of just putting it out there, it's, you know, you're actually having fun and the audience is actually watching it and, and, and being invested. It's, it's a piece of entertainment instead of just an advertisement.
0: The are the reason why i've got so many domain names of like i've got a great idea for a business
1: I do need another one i am a, i am a possible filmmaker entrepreneur
0: innovator oh i wonder if this domain's available i bet no one on the planet's thought of that and typing in ch-ch-ch. nope yeah someone has already bought it so the ultimate aim for ryan and triune and the family is to get to the the feature well that's only you know part of the goal
1: it's like you know that that's obviously been my passion since i was a kid and that's like if i never make a feature i don't know i'll have to like sit in the corner and cry for the rest of my life but so that's definitely gonna happen like that's a must that's not so much of a goal is just an absolute absolute have to like i have to breathe in and out i have to make a film there's no there's no other way around it are you any closer to it definitely yeah and uh every year we get even closer and the networking grows even more and there's like some crazy opportunities and i've I've turned down a few films already just because it's like you know i don't want my first film to be the wrong film and uh you know if the the script's not good i'm not going to do it just because it's a film you know it's got to be something that i believe in otherwise it's you know i'm not going to care and it's probably going to be a soul-sucking event anyway
0: i remember listening to uh edward norton speak on commentary on something and david fincher was on it as well and might have been his fight club and um, he was talking to him saying you know i'm not sure about doing this it was the first film edward norton directed and he was talking about it and he said i'm not just i'm not sure if it's the right thing for me and david fincher said he just stopped him and said you think I wanted to do Alien Three? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, but if you if you hate something going in, you're doing a disservice to everyone involved, including the audience. And not only that, we're in a different landscape than than that. And I think I'm in a different career path than that. Um, you know, we're very public. You know, you have the Seth Worley's, <clears throat> Andrew Kramer's, Ryan Booth's. We're all very, very public. So I think we have to be more cautious about our first outing, even more than, you know, the completely unnamed director who has way more connections than us, but, you know, doesn't really, isn't really known by any large community. Um, I think they have more of a safety net. Whereas, you know, if any of one of us came out with just a terrible film, it'd be like, ha, see, they've been full of crap this whole time. So, you know, there's a bit more of a... uh caution tape around that for me i think but you know that's not that's also not stopping me the second a film you know comes along that i'm like you know this isn't exactly where i think it needs to be but uh i would love to work with getting this where it needs to be i'd be all over that but uh the only films that have been offered to me so far were immediate like no (laughs) you know like transformers five
0: (laughs) i would even i would dive all over that man like how do you take
1: transformers and connect it to an audience i would be excited about that
0: (laughs) did you enjoy dan trachtenberg's 10 cloverfield lane loved 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 i was i was really
1: excited for him when he got that to begin with and then just to knock it out of the park that was pretty great um But yeah, I I loved it. And not just because he's my friend. Like, even if I didn't know Dan, it would be it would still have been on my favorite movies of 2016. list. It was just it's just a movie that's just right up my alley. It's mystery. It's almost horror in a way. Very thriller, very classic filmmaking, which is very much like the type of thing that I want to do where it definitely it's modern, but it feels throwback in a little bit of a way, you know, Um, I just I loved it. I thought it was extremely well done. And I was just so jealous of him.
0: <laughs> well, you know what? When he when that was uh, when that was announced that like he was doing it, I, all I was thinking was, please be great, please be great, and. I, I was, and it, this will sound so cheesy, but when I watched that at the cinema and it was great, I was so proud. It was like, because I'd watched him on Dignation and I'd seen, you know, for a long time and, you know, wanting to do this. And I remember when he left, uh, not Dignation, uh, the Totally Rad show, and he left doing the movie review segment because he was like, well, I don't feel it's fair for me to review all the filmmakers working. You know, I, I could totally get that.
1: Yeah, he was one of the ones that gave me the advice to stop uh, to fil- to stop film state because I you know I want to be a filmmaker, not a film critic. And he was like, "Yeah, you probably shouldn't be doing." That. Yeah, because it was like because you know film state was very sarcastic, so we would make fun of people, but we did it in, you know sort of a sarcastic way. And and two things happened. One, I realized that I was a part of the thing that I was really hating about where uh, the film audience as a community was headed in this very like snarky sarcastic sort of place where it's like all magic is being stripped from it and everything has to be like perfect without plot hole. And it's like, what is happening? Um, and I, and I realized that the show was, uh, a part of that on accident and that just made me so sad. So I was like, well, we got to stop this immediately. Cause I mean, you, you stop that side of it it's not film state anymore. The point of film state was to like poke fun at films in a loving way. Um, but it just it just doesn't translate the same way, same way as Cinema Sins. Like they say it's a joke, but it's not translating to so many people. And then you got people who defend it being like, if you don't know that film Cinema Sins is a joke, you're an idiot. And they're like, well, tell that to the 15 year old that's sending me links to Cinema Sins as this. It was like a college course and it shows why this film is bad. It happens all the time, so it's like stuff like that is like for me. It's like a danger for young and up and coming films. Like, what is that going to mean for you know the next generation of filmmakers that they're so concentrated on these things that just actually don't matter? Um, you you took your time to pick apart this film and you figured something out. And now you pointed out, and other people are like, "Oh yeah, I guess you're right. I never noticed that." Well, if you never noticed that. The filmmaker did their job and it's not a problem. That's the whole point of films. It's fantasy where you suspend your disbelief. You're watching like, you know, dinosaurs existing again or superheroes, you know, to nitpick in that way when it didn't. I mean, obviously, there's films that are, you know, there's aliens in it. And I can't help but think, why would anyone do that? That's dumb. Why would you do that? Then the filmmaker failed. Then, yeah, then there's a hole there. Sure. But if I never notice it until somebody points it out later, no, they did their job. They helped you suspend your disbelief. Uh, so that was one of the reasons I stopped it. And the other one was um, I poked fun at a film from when I was like one person removed from the writer and the writer actually saw it and made mention to a friend of mine. And they were like, hey, man, and I was like, oh, boy. <laughs> OK. All right. Got it. Copy that i think it's manipulative in a sense i think a lot of people retroactively change their opinion on on a film based on what other people say about it that's kind of a bummer um you know you read the reviews and then they get their set opinion on it and then they go and their opinion doesn't change you when they maybe would have liked the film if you know, they wouldn't have thought those things. Uh, That's all the stuff that just drives me crazy. It's, you know, the Rotten Tomatoes effect where I I love Rotten Tomatoes, but sometimes I'm also like, man, is Rotten Tomatoes sort of like hurting? Because it's just putting everything in this blanketed, like faceless percentage. And it's like, I don't know. I don't know. But I mean, I love Rotten Tomatoes. Every movie that comes out, I'm checking Rotten Tomatoes. So I'm not saying it's good or bad.
0: I really like what the Red Letter Media guys do. Have you seen their stuff? Uh, I have a little bit. You know, because they're filmmakers as well, and but when they give their opinion, they don't, they don't follow the trend of other uh, YouTube reviewers.
1: Yeah, and I mean, criticism is great, and everybody should be allowed to obviously, you know, bash something if they don't like it, go nuts. I think the things that I really don't like is when things are put forward like fact like a lot of the video essays that we have now they're non-filmmakers or people who call themselves filmmakers who have never made a film or you watch their stuff and you're like man that's you don't have a good understanding of the craft so what are you talking about and it's and, and I would like a lot of them if it was placed in a hey here's what this movie like movies with Mikey is awesome um, he, he does he takes a movie and, and he sort of goes through it saying what the movie meant to him and celebrating what he loved about the movie and what the movie did really great and whatnot. And I, I, I love that. I think he does a fantastic job. But then there are others that will arrogantly, like, not only say what the movie did wrong and and that they didn't like it and here's why. It's, it's not even like, hey, I didn't personally like this. Here's why. It's this is bad and it's wrong. Here's why. And here's what the filmmaker was thinking. And here's what the filmmaker should have done. And that's the stuff where it's like, what are you talking about? Because it's like you have no idea what it's like to make a film like that. And, you know, oftentimes they're even just dead wrong because it's like if you watch the interviews with the actual filmmakers, they say the complete opposite of what the person just said. It's like, what are you talking about? Where it's like, it's interesting if you dissect a film and you're like, here's why I see this thing. Here's why I think they did this. Here's why I think the story structured this way. It's another to be like, hey, I know exactly why, even though I'm not the person who made this. It's, it's so weird to me. It drives me a little bit crazy.
0: Ryan, it's been a pleasure speaking with you today and thank you very much for your time. Thanks, man. Yeah, absolutely. It was fun well that was ryan connolly a fantastic filmmaker a fantastic guy and if you want to know anything about filmmaking then film riot is really one of the best resources online that you can go to you can also go to the triune store where you can buy lots of library sound effects you can buy courses on writing he also has a filmmakers 101 course there and it's all really really good stuff so I hope you're enjoying this signature podcast. It would really help us if you could subscribe to the podcast yourselves. And we also have a growing Facebook group, which is for filmmakers who want to learn and they want to be inspired. And, and that's what it's all about. We don't have any trolls in there. That's the end of this week's show. Next week, we have another fantastic filmmaker coming up and that will be announced in the Facebook group. And in the meantime, thank you very much for listening and I'll speak to you soon.